Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On The Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On The Mark, Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings, everyone. Tings, welcome on board. W. KOK's live, live telephone talk, talk show. show. I'm on Mark the Lawrence. Mr. Mark Joe McGrenahan is directly across Our producer's Rob Center. What an outstanding man he is. He has a wonderful dog named Dixie. Hmm. All right. Nice. Anything else? Brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. Fabulous. 1-800-795-9565. Email us on the mark at WKOK.com. Rob. Text us 70236. Be sure to include the keywords OTM in the subject line. It's uh, Mutt Wednesday next door. They're petting. they got some pets oh, over do. there. They have pets over there. Kitten and dog. Dogs. These dogs would like you. <laughs> no, the dogs no, don't like would. me for some reason. No, these aren't. I like guess me. they sense my intellectual snobbyism. <laughs> uh, yep, they, 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 uh, your exclusionary conservatism, your intellectual snobbism, and uh, your inability to recognize that the world is round. I think they can. It's flat. I tell you, it's flat. <laughs> I know. And horse and buggy, just like your head, is still the best way to get around. Uh, well, it actually, is. that may be true. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I have stock in a buggy buggy whip company. Oh, do you? Yeah, I do. How's that working out? Not real well at the moment. Stings to invest in that kind of stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, along with my investment in spurs. <laughs> it didn't work out too well either. All right. one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five 795 9565 is our telephone number. And we have nearly open phones. We'd love to hear from you today. Give us a call. We are going to hear from Leonard Steinhorn at about 930 this morning. Uh, we are going to talk to him about uh, Mr. Vladimir Putin and Joe you Biden. You should mention he's a CBS News special. Uh, I'm getting to okay. that. Okay. Well, He's a news CBS News correspondent. He's also a professor at American University, professor of communications. History. But, right. History, race in America. So really, uh, we have a lot of good topics we can talk to him about, but we'll talk about this summit that's underway now. So uh, we'll get that going with uh, Leonard Steinhorn at 930. So that's coming up this morning. We would invite you to call in today. You can call in about the summit. What could possibly be accomplished would be a sound uh, question for anybody. We had some things that popped up in the news in Texas. Uh, they have decided that teachers can't handle the truth, so and students can't handle the truth, so we're not going to talk about race anymore in the classroom. So uh, that is uh, coming up. We'd love to hear your view on that. Do you have that handy by chance? I do. I'm reading okay. it now. All right. So Joe's reading that. But uh, we can talk about some other things. Uh, a we... bill aimed at uh, stopping teachers from talking about racism or any other current events that may be contentious. Right. So How no... in the world would you have a current event that isn't contentious? <laughs> Well, the drought in western Pennsylvania, or Western U.S. is well, not... I don't believe there's a drought. I think it's <laughs> wet as can okay, be, that's so that's contentious. Now, how about this, though? What if I say it's because of climate change? 
No, it is not. It goes through cycles. Why, in the 1950s, they said we were going to have another ice age. Right, and the legislation supported by virtually every GOP state legislator states that social studies teachers in public K-12 through schools may not be compelled to talk about current events or public policy or social issues considered controversial. If they do talk about such things, they are required to present the issue without giving deference to any one perspective. Now, that seems fair to me. Well, yeah, well, that's... See, that's just the opposite of uh, the uh, the first part of that article. That uh, I don't know where that article came from. Incidentally, I never did make a note of it, and I didn't tell you. I just sent it to you. So, but we'll, well find it's out. by Jennifer Benderly. Benderly, okay. yeah, Bendery, Bendery. All right. Doesn't say who she reports for. Okay. But the story seems fairly straightforward, don't you think? Yeah. Oh, it's from it's a column in the Huffington Post. There oh, we okay. go. All right. All right. So thank you. Yeah, we appreciate that. Thank you for. Uh, sending us that. We do appreciate that. But, uh, yeah, that sentence you read kind of takes the curse off. It says they can't be compelled, but if they're a smart teacher, they will talk about race and other controversial topics in hopefully. And then what's the wording to show that they have to kind of look at it in an objective fashion, which you'd hope they'd be doing anyway. Without giving deference to any one perspective. (laughs) I would hope they'd do that anyway. Well, they don't, though. Did you? I don't know whether you saw the interview, and it was on Fox, uh, with a young lady who escaped from North Korea. Mm-hmm. She came to this country in a roundabout way. She had to go through, I forget, uh, Mongolia or somewhere and wound up getting to the United States of America. And she enrolled at Brown, I think it was Brown or, yeah, Brown University. And the first day she went there during orientation, she talked about, to one of the advisors, about how much she enjoyed Western literature. And she got a harangue about how racist it was and anti-feminist and that, you know, they were trying to indoctrinate her with this material. And since then, she she said that it's it's incredible at, at that university the way they pound liberalism or the liberal point of view into people's heads, and they expect them to follow in lockstep. You know that's they they could use that law at colleges, I think. Because, I mean, colleges should teach you how to think, how to reason for yourself, not tell you what you should you're sure that that school and uh, all all colleges aren't doing that? Because I know we have her perspective from Fox, and that's an important one, and that's a very, very valid viewpoint. But does that apply to all schools, and is her perspective reliable? I mean, for example... Well, she came here to to have freedom, and she was appalled by what what she saw. Right, Right, no argument there. I think she's probably probably flabbergasted by what she saw at the U.S. colleges. But my point is that if she brings a conservative viewpoint to the table, are her perspectives reliable when we say this is an issue in all colleges? Well, I don't think she was a conservative before she came to this country. She was just trying to escape North Korea, which she was successful in doing. So what does that make you if you try to get out of North Korea? Does that make you a conservative? Or if no. you were liberal, do no, you no, want no, to no. stay there? And Her, her perspective is conservative. Look, look at at the venue that uh, was attracted to her and look at the remarks that she makes. It's obviously has, and there's nothing wrong well, with it. She said this in public, but Fox no chose to cover there. it. Nobody else wanted to cover it. Right. Can you see CNN wanting to cover it? Okay. I don't. All right. Well, then let's just, uh, I'm not going to argue the point. Let's just stipulate that that is a, a sad state of affairs at all colleges and universities and all professors and all classes. Well, that's why le- legislation like this Texas law makes sense to me. Right. And that makes sense, too. We should change all classes nationwide because of one individual who spoke to Fox yesterday. No, no, so no. We appreciate that. The law here says without that you may teach this stuff. You don't have to teach it, but if you do teach
teach it, if you do teach contentious current events, you have to do so without giving deference to any one perspective. Well, that makes perfect sense. It does to me. So what's your objection? <laughs> well, uh, the HuffPost columnist uh, says that uh, he signed, uh, Governor Abbott uh, signed one of his party's top legislative priorities into law, a bill aimed at stopping teachers from talking about racism and any current events that may be contentious. That's an editorial comment right. about what the law does. Right, no argument there. But I think, you know, and it says you can't teach the 1619 projects. Well, how can you cover all sides of an issue if you're not going to well, cover all sides of an issue? Drop that first sentence out of it, and it reads, the legislation supported by virtually every GOP state legislator states that social studies teachers in public schools K-12 through may not be compelled to talk about current events or public policy or social issues considered controversial. If they do talk about such things, they are required to present the issue without giving deference to any one perspective. So without the editorial comment right. that they're trying to stop talking about racism, where what in the bill says don't talk about racism? It I don't know. I haven't read events. the whole bill. Your commentator must have because she seemed to think that that was in there. But in any event, the sentence you read is not inherently uh, terrible. First of all, not being compelled That's the way to... the left distorts this stuff. Oh, brother. It is. <laughs> okay. You put your spin on it. That, oh, it must be about stopping talking about racism. Says the man who invented conservative spin. <laughs> no, I didn't invent it. You oh, know, but gosh. I don't have any problem with compelling teachers or requiring teachers or anyone else to present the issue fairly and without their personal opinions. All right, 1-800-795-9565. If you'd like to talk to us about this uh, column, uh, that uh, the goal is to whitewash American history. No, it's not. It is. <laughs> you it has know nothing it. to do with history. It's talking about current events. All right, 1-800-795. Now, admittedly, current events become history tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like this show will be history. <laughs> right. At We're working on it. At 10.01. <laughs> <laughs> All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. Uh, should you be able to teach about controversial items in schools if and only if uh, you present both sides as objectively and fairly as possible, or is that impossible? Are we whitewashing history if we try to teach racism objectively, since there really aren't two sides to it? You can't. Really, it's indefensible in the minds of many people. Uh, 1-800-795-9565. Nine five six five. Should we just gloss over the role of slavery in the U.S. and building our economy and you know helping them make the country what it is today? One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. What's your view on this topic? We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 
All right, we got a call coming in. We'll take more comers. One eight hundred seven nine five. Will we really? One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five is our telephone number. Uh, we're making fun of racism on the uh, off mic, meaning how bad it is. Of course, nothing. Uh, Actually, we weren't making fun of that good at, about all. It at all. I know. But you know, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Go ahead, Joe. I was just going to say this law seems to me to be well intentioned, but people on the left. <laughs> apparently, I'm just saying. Apparently, well, the one commentator are reading anyway. into are reading into it that like it's the end of civilization as we know it. Well, because we know the, the reputation of the Texas legislature to whitewash history, so we're going to give them All an right. opportunity to can you te- to can, do so now? Can, I, I could teach slavery without giving deference to any one perspective. Can. I could do that. Couldn't you? Uh, I mean, there's no good side to slavery. There's a bad side to it. But you can point out the economic advantages that it had to the South. You could talk about why the economic conditions that made slavery something that was beneficial to that area of the country. even necessary. And then you could talk about the the horrors of it, the inhumanity of it, uh, you know, selling families, tearing them apart, the abuses of, uh, you know, of slaves. Well, and then you could talk about the contributions of black Americans to date. You know, since uh, slavery ended, of course, we've had lots of Well, No, I'm not talking about what's happened since. So. I'm talking about what happened no, then. No, but I think, well, why would you talk about slavery? You're just, okay, and by the way, slaves are free. It's 1865. But Let's that's, move on. But that's not current events. I mean, it would be hard to talk about the value of Jim Crow. 1865 isn't history? 1865 is history, yes. But I'm saying the bill is aimed at, says, at current events. It doesn't say anything about history, at least not. Well, uh, that's where the, it talks about social. social studies, which is where they They're transposing today. this against, you know, what the law says against what the potential for abusing it would be. All right. So we have we are talking about this particular law in Texas that uh, aims to whitewash American history and uh, dismiss the contributions of black Americans. That, that's not what we it's could, doing at all, Mark. For I'm just sake. trying to paint a negative picture of it so we can compel some callers. How would about we just say down? that the bill rips the lid off of the scab off of liberalism and it makes it impossible to teach and indoctrinate children and young people in a certain way. Well, and could we say that as the potential? Yeah, how can we summarize the issue at colleges? Liberal, liberal professors. Well, this isn't even at college. This is in public schools know, in Texas, K through twelve. You brought up this great interview that was on Fox with this individual from North Korea. North Korea. So a young lady who escaped North Korea, right? So. Came to this country for freedom and then wound up at a university where all they're doing is trying to indoctrinate her into thinking the way they wanted her to think. So one person had one experience at one college with one set of professors, and all of a sudden the whole world's falling apart. All right, one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six. You know as well as I do that that is pretty much the standard these days. We've had enough stories about it on the air here over the past few years. That's why the college Republicans protested at Susquehanna and Bucknell recently. That's why why the the whole university is set up with... Students uh, at Susquehanna a few years ago were trying to keep uh, a speaker from coming to the campus. And that's why other people protested against them, because they didn't get their way. Susquehanna is not one of the problem institutions. (laughs) The Ivy League, on the other hand, is another matter. All right. 1-800-795-9565. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Dan, thank you so much for calling in and for waiting a short time. You are on the mark. Hey, good morning, guys. Why, I have some great friends, and they were conservative. Well, they had two kids. They sent them both to college, liberal art college. 
they got out and we had some picnics together and after Trump got elected I was at one of their picnics and I said isn't Trump doing a great job boy did I ever hear it oh them kids came out of college completely liberal completely off the rocker on Trump where before they went to college their parents were both conservative their dad was as conservative as I am and their mother turned liberal (gasps) because of their kids you can't yeah, when, talk when, to her anymore. When people learn to think for themselves, it is scary. I tell you what, they're they're not thinking. That's for sure. If they're liberal, right? If they're not, well, they're thinking, but they're thinking very crazy because <laughs> you can't. Could you they say were conservative could, even on? I I know the forbidden topic, religion. Could you say now, that their thinking was stinking? Yeah. Okay. They were thinking. There's nothing wrong with critical thinking, but when you go completely berserk because of your college degree and believe every tidbit they tell you that conservatives are bad, Trump bad, Biden good, this is what they tell me now, them same people, Biden good. Trump bad. No Trump. <laughs> no Trump no more. I I don't know that Trump is exclusively bad, but I think the voters have spoken. Yeah, yeah, well, somebody spoke. Let's put it that way. I wouldn't say it was the voters. I think the voters did speak, but I think they set out with Biden. But so that let that for another day, that discussion on the outcome of the election. Right now, I hope they get great election laws straightened up that we'll have confidence in the next election. Well, yeah, but anyway... You should be happy the voter ID, uh, voter ID constitutional amen. amendment is advancing in hey, Pennsylvania. And I hope that goes through. I hope so, because we got to have confidence in our elections. It can't end up like this one where a lot of us feel we were cheated. Okay, but. but anyway, talking about college, and I know other, I have other friends, they were conservative. They sent their two kids to college, and the kids were pretty well solid foundation on what they believed. And they said, Mom, we can't answer these questions the way we want to. We have to, if we answer them the way we know it's true, we'll, won't pass. Well, they had a lie in college to graduate, and the, the topic in biology was evolution. They went into college believing creation is truth, you know, and they had a lie to graduate because their professors wouldn't have passed them if they'd have answered like Joe mentioned yesterday or the day before the the world's 6,000 years old you have to make up a lie to get through college this was a college within 70 miles of here put it that way 
Well, and what about so all the college Republicans and the uh, whenever the uh, uh, liberal angle of colleges try to shut down, you know, a controversial speaker or somebody who's ultra conservative or sort of far far right and not like typical conservative, but uh, you know, a far right speaker. There's counter protesters there. The college Republicans are there counter protesting, and we know from Bucknell that college Republicans is a good organization. How are they thriving in this? What must be a pool of liberalism. <laughs> Good description. I wonder. I don't really. I I don't really know. But you don't suppose do people are thinking for themselves? To do an you? agenda. The that like the two kids I mentioned that went to study biology subjects. They had to answer the way their professors wanted in order to get that sheepskin. So you take. <laughs> They're teaching to an agenda, and this is permeated throughout our culture. You don't you don't talk about evolution anymore. I think it's, if if you're going to college for biology and you believe in creation as the uh, only way to the world may have started. I think you're destined for a rude awakening because that's the way science teaches it: is that uh, creationism isn't well isn't the only way. But ism on it, you know, creation is truth. You you can't dispute anything. How do we get from here to college? Creation. <laughs> well, they don't teach that, creation at. To and there's colleges. not a thing today. The day we're living in, as science moves on, creation looks like the only option now you can debate I, you can debate who the creator was I know who it was but you can debate who created it who was the designer of this universe who was it but you won't but hear you it in biology classes evolution anymore that that theory is really out of date, <laughs> far out of date. It's billions it's of years out of date. got away with. And <laughs> I'm, right. I don't care who you get on there. I'm not afraid of my belief in creation. Not one minute. Science proves mm. creation. All right, we got and you, you, sir. you can't bring up a subject that... That proves evolution. You cannot do it. Carbon dating. The evidence is for creation. <laughs> All right, we okay. got you, Dan. Thank you so much for calling in. Thank you, sir. Get back, Bye. guys. Have a great day. Hey, okay, you too, buddy. Yeah. Thank you. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Ultra speedy dialers only at this point in the show. Uh, we're talking about uh, originally a Texas bill that right. uh, prohibits. Let's get back to that. <laughs> prohibits teaching of controversial subjects in the school. But you read farther into it, Joe found. Well, the article lines in the Huffington Post actually says you can't be compelled to teach it, but uh, although I think teachers should be compelled and this to is, teach this history. is the editorial writer's opinion, this Jennifer Benderly. She right. says they can't make it part of a course to talk about the concept that an individual should feel discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress based on their race or sex. They can't make it part of a course to talk about the concept of meritocracy or traits such as hard work ethic or race or sexist, or were created by members of a particular race to oppress members of another race. So, in other words, if you believe that the white race is, was originally formed to oppress all other races, you can't teach that. Now, is that right or wrong? I mean, we've had so much... Well, if you taught it in a well-rounded fashion with the other side of the coin represented, which I think the bill calls for a, an um, 
uh, to it establish says, an objective manner. Without giving deference to any one perspective. So if your perspective is that white people are evil and that they are the source of all all that's wrong with civilization today, you can't teach that. Right, 1-800-795-9565. And suppose I held the opposite view. Suppose I believed that people uh, of some other race were the oppressors and horrible people. And Would you want me teaching that either? Who would that be? Well, I mean, let's say I, 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 let's say I'm, for the sake of argument, we're talking about a racist teacher mm-hmm. doesn't like black people, and so they teach that black people, you know, they were happy in slavery, they were beneficial, beneficial, benefited by slavery. Mm-hmm. Would you want that taught? I wouldn't. That's not true. So conversely, I don't want it taught that all white people would be slave owners if they were left to their own devices. That's not true either. Right. There has to be some way to teach us objectively and factually. Right, without giving deference to any one but perspective. But do you not need opinions in order to put history in perspective? You know, opinions to... are what you form after you learn what really happened. In other words, right. I believe the history should be taught straight. Right, okay, so we'll do it in order. We'll teach objectively what happened. But in order to keep it in perspective, do you then need somebody like the 1619 Project that really calls attention to the contributions of black Americans uh, to the U.S. That's development? Not the Part of the 1619. It isn't that. It's, oh, it's, I think it is. Oh, I, th- I disagree with you. Right. I think As a conservative, you say, bad. no, no, no. It isn't just black Americans. It's it's how they were oppressed well, and you, held in slavery and handcuffs and kept on the plantation. And then can't what, about the, what about the white people who ended slavery? Black people didn't end slavery. White people Oh, no. You, the, that is a major, major part of the 1619 Project is the evolution that has taken place in the U.S. and what has improved tremendously over the years and what still needs to this very day needs improvement. I think you're missing part of what the thing is about. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. You're certainly missing the intent. It, it's funny how it you know deliberate. that, never having read it. it and is, since I, I have read it. It's, oh, oh, you did not. I read don't it. Don't even start. Don't you, go, it, don't you tell it, me I didn't read it. Now, two weeks ago you hadn't, and it's at least seven weeks of reading for you for all the different articles You don't even read essays. anything. You have to hear it on an audio well, book. Well, that's true. <laughs> but I listened to all of it. So here's the point. The fact is you have to teach these kind of perspectives that you want to ban so that you understand the proper place of all of this history, that this is the way people felt and the way many people today feel about racism. And you also have to teach that uh, there's a wide range of individuals who are white who are uh, allies. This is WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. Mr. Joe's across from me. Rob Center's our fabulous producer. Uh, you are compelled to call in now. You have to do so. One of our good listeners uh, says that Joe and I uh, are yak, yak, yakking instead of taking no. calls. We set the program by discussing something, and we invite call in. <laughs> 
you know, and when, when people call in, we answer the phone. If there's right. nobody, after we do the opening where we establish what we're going to talk about or the topic of the day, after that, if you hear us talking, it's because there's nobody waiting on the line. When there's somebody waiting on the line, we pick up the phone. Well, some of our good listeners are here to erase all doubt. That's all we're going to say about that. <laughs> That's right. right. On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. Do as I've done on many occasions. Go to sunburymotors.com. Look at the Ford Kias or Hyundais. I'm always looking at the Ford Range. And the Broncos and the uh, F-150s. I order one up from the website, or I look at the inventory that's online. You can look at all the trucks and vehicles and cars that are available. Hey, and uh, you can order one up and make sure it's ready for you when you go down there. So we'll talk more about the Sunbury Motor Company in a little bit. But please thank our sponsor, Sunbury Motors and SunburyMotors.com. Toll free line now open one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We're talking about a commentary that was in the Huffington Post this week uh, that uh, talks about. Texas bill that uh, if you're going to teach any controversial subjects, it requires that you do so in an objective fashion, whether it's slavery or current events or something that's happening. You could even talk about abortion if, as long as you covered the fact that there are two entrenched uh, sides uh, to this uh, argument. And so uh, is that a good idea in our schools? And then we got morphed into the idea of talking about liberalism in college. And uh, Joe says it's terrible. I say it's really part of learning to think for yourself is uh, you might pick up some liberal ideas. You just never know uh, if you are allowed to think for yourself. But what's your view on all of these topics? 1-800-795-9565. Leonard Steinhorn, a CBS News correspondent and American University uh, professor, is going to be checking in at 930 talking about uh, the Vladimir Putin and Joe Biden summit that's underway now. So uh, that's what we got uh, planned. But nearly open phones right now. 1-800-795-9565. Six five. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at seven zero two three six. Include the keyword OTM. Don't forget to put that in there. Some very brief news headlines: property taxes up one point five mills, but the per capita tax for Joe McGranahan going away, and for everybody else in the Sealandsgrove area school district, forty four point seven million dollar budget approved Monday night. Yes, the real estate taxes up two point two percent, but no per capita tax any longer in the Sealandsgrove area. School we'll district. give the county commissioners credit for that. They ab- okay. they they dropped it and uh, and let everybody know they were dropping it, and so the school district is dropping it. Our borough's dropping it. Okay, so it make, right. makes sense. It's, it's, it's time consuming tax. to collect. And well, you, it's time consuming. And you only get a couple of dollars, right? Out of it. And the amount of revenue it generates is. Not Incons- worth it. Inconsequential. All right, 1-800-795-9565. Do you think Joe should still be required to pay the per capita tax, even though everybody else is having theirs rescinded? A congratulatory note came out from the Lewisburg Area School District this morning. Dr. Jennifer Palinchok, the superintendent there, uh, said they were able to achieve uh, pre-K through 8th grade classes 90% in person uh, during that uh, time. and What nine- time? The school year, oh, okay. the past school year, which ends today uh, in grades 9 through 12. They were in person for 85% of it. She also says they had eight snow days, which is about six more than normal. Uh, she said the school counselors and principals and support staff did a tremendous job balancing parents' wishes with e-school, in-person, and uh, blended programs at uh, Lewisburg. In Harrisburg, this will be the good news for a lot of folks in our audience, a proposed constitutional amendment, not the legislature 
passing a bill and the governor vetoing it, but a constitutional amendment that goes to the voters two times, requiring voters in Pennsylvania to show an ID every time they vote has been advanced by the state Senate Government Committee. Our correspondent Mark Sims is following that. While Pennsylvania voters are currently required to show an ID the first time they vote at a new polling place, Senator Judy Ward says having voters decide if they should have to present an ID every time they go to the polls would help to restore their confidence in the election system. Allowing the voters to decide how they want to best secure their elections is not some nefarious plot. Just as asking people to offer verification each time they vote is not an attempt to keep people away from the polls. It's common sense. The language in the bill would have to pass the legislature in two consecutive sessions before the proposal could be put to the voters, which at the earliest would be in May 2023. Mark Sims, News Radio 1070 WKOK. If you'd like to comment on that, the voter ID bill in Pennsylvania, that would be a constitutional amendment. Give us a call, 1 800 795 9565. We turn to WBRE 28, WYOU 22, Eyewitness News for this story. After Lycoming County Commissioners requested books celebrating Pride Month be removed from a children's portion of a library, residents are making their voices heard. Lycoming County residents filled the county. Commissioners meeting yesterday, sharing their opinions on the Pride Month displays at the James V. Brown Children's Library. Nearly 40 people spoke to the commissioners with an overwhelming majority saying they believe families should have access to that material. A few in attendance disagreed saying those values shouldn't be on display. Quote, those books are so important for young people to see uh, to, well, I'm sorry, this is a, a person who was in agreement that the book should be there. Those books are so important for young people to see, to see that they can be represented, unquote. Uh, libraries are where you're supposed to get answers to questions, including questions about yourself. Uh, but uh, one of the individuals uh, at the meeting who was opposed to having the pride display at the library said, quote, I don't have a problem with what you do in your gay parade, but I have a problem when it's forced upon me constantly, unquote. That's a Lycoming County resident, Brad Young speaking there. Some folks were opposed to a Lycoming County Commissioner Scott Metzger's post on Facebook saying these books are geared at children who have no idea what sexuality or gender identity is at that age. What's the age? Well, this would be these would be preschoolers. This would go down. Don't to, you think that he's right that they they don't have any idea? Well, the and books they shouldn't do, be forced on them at that point. But the books don't start out talking about gender identity. They talk about w- what uh, what kids are feeling and thinking at that age. And of course, we know from history, if, uh, from the conversations you've had with individuals who are transgender, that is the time when they start to realize that there's some sort of a disconnect between how they wish at to four present and five, themselves. Children that young. Right. Right. Well, oh, no, earlier, two. Two years old. People. As soon as they become self-aware at all. And they know that there's something wrong with them or different from them, from other people. There's a disconnect between how they're being told to... I won't say wrong with them, to, because I don't know that it's right or wrong. Right, I would a just a bit say, of a disconnect between what uh, they're told, how a, a boy or a girl is supposed to act, or how many boys or girls do act, versus how they so wish to act and you're, behave you're and wear and talk. you're suggesting that parents should have the talk 
with people, children three, four, and five years old about sex and how children are conceived. No, I'm saying that that's James a good B. idea. Brown Library shouldn't be threatened by the county commissioners who give the library millions and millions of dollars. I mean, well, I don't definitely know a millions, stake. but it is. They are definitely a stakeholder in this, and they should have a say. But they shouldn't compel the library to pull down a display that talks about uh, pride. Demand. I don't have a problem with the books being there, but why should there be a display? Is there going to be a display on the opposite side? Oh, what's the opposite side of uh, being gay? Well, it's Pride Month. In other words, does pride is pride inclusive? Does it include white pride? Does it include heterosexual pride? White pride. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Is, is, is all pride accounted for here, or just some as pride? much as they wish to have a white pride parade? And uh, well, that would be racist. That would be oh, really? racist. Yes, that would white well, pride well, parade well, would be racist. Isn't that funny? But you want one. All right. So anyway, no. But uh, I'm asking you. Don't you agree that it's one one thing to have the books available for kids who want to question. It's another to have a big display and encourage people to read them when maybe they have no interest or really no thought about what it is. Mm, it, it, yes, if you are afraid of those topics, you definitely shouldn't have a display okay. or let kids talk Should about Should the it. library have a display of books about, um, well... Let's do the white pride. I like oh, that, because right, that uh, should be pretty prevalent up in okay, Macomb County. So Very let's, let's say staunch that Republican area. We should have a, a white pride day at the library, and all books written by white supremacists should be featured, <laughs> you know, because that's what you believe. Anybody who has pride in being white, they must be uh, white nationalists or white supremacists, right? I mean, they couldn't be normal people who are just proud to be white. I'm just listening to no, you. No, I'm asking. I'm, I'm asking, de- I'm I'm asking for your whether... informed opinion. All right. 1-800-795-9565. Our very last news headline. The U.S. Senate is working to approve a Juneteenth national holiday. Juneteenth is one step closer to being a day off of work. The U.S. Senate passed a bill making June 19th a federal holiday marking the end of slavery in America. It still has to be approved by the U.S. Congress, but then signed by the president. And if that happens, it could mean a holiday for banks, schools, and federal workers starting. You know next how much year. it costs the federal government to give a holiday to its employees? Six hundred million dollars. And I would ask this: six hundred million dollars. Is it not? Haven't we achieved some sort of a good method here, where states declare Juneteenth a holiday if they so choose? Like in Pennsylvania, it is a holiday. It's a state holiday, and so many state offices are going to be closed. I think it's Monday. And so, so that costs money, too. Right. So, well, you know, or, or is this worth noting the end of slavery? Is that something that How we need to do? about the end of World War II? Would that be worth noting? Of course. Okay. Uh, well, we don't have a World War II day. All right. Well, I guess that's... $600 million, brother. Weigh the cost. We'll get rid of that. <laughs> all right. We've talked about several items, and Joe has mentioned them in the most controversial way. And now there's Joe from Sunbury on the line. one eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. Call and set me straight right now. This is your opportunity. Go ahead, Joe. Uh, uh, hardly can do in three minutes, Mark, but uh, <laughs> I have three uh, subjects you. that I, I do want to comment. You had uh, Joe had talked about the uh, North Korean young lady who had the interview. Her name is, I think, Yanomi uh, Park. And I heard also subsequent to her coming here that she's walking back to North Korea because it's so disgusting here. So what she found as uh, open and uh, free thought. She, she had it better in North Korea. So that was just uh, my comment on that. And yesterday, uh, that was a good conversation. I enjoyed it between, uh, and maybe it was Al's call that sparked it, but uh, the intersection of uh, abortion and politics, I thought that was uh, 
back and forth, and some uh, viewed their own side, or gave views of their own side, and and for this uh, subject of slavery that we've been talking about, I know Joe. Sometimes he, well, he says he was, uh, or is history likes history, and does if Joe, if you, uh, are you familiar with uh, Pope Nicholas the Fifth and his issue of the papal bull that kind of started modern day slavery, where he gave the okay to Por- Portugal to go to Africa? No, or are you uh, aware? I'm of an American. That? I'm an American history buff. Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, it has to do with slavery, so I thought you would be interested in maybe seeing where the nugget or the germination of slavery. And I'm not saying this is. I, I would put it more as modern day because 1452 was uh, the time of the Pope Nicholas V, and he issued a papal bull that allowed the Portuguese to go to Africa and conquer the. Uh, Pagans, I think, is, is the word. But it, the, I haven't read the. Uh, it's called "Dumb Devices." Uh, the devices, uh, however you pronounce that, for the papal bull. But uh, just uh, I, you know, to be, and and it's interesting to look back and see how slavery in steps came to be, and not believe me, you know, I'm going to see in the Bible here that the the Israelites were slaves to the Egyptians, so it didn't start in 1452 or with Nicholas V. So I was just wondering if you had any, because there was a more of a history to it. I know I um, was instructed to summarize, you know, but uh, there's other things that were uh, written by the Catholic Church more or less okaying the capture of people, and they, they have it as described as perpetual servitude. So I, I didn't know, but I think it might be as good at reading as you could uh, do with other subjects. Well, let's face it, every institution does things or has things in their uh, past. And that I'm not aren't criticizing the, the institution in itself, but just that's the this part of history. I mean, that, I, I'm not one to look back and say, oh, wow, I'm, I'm so good, you know, nowadays, but I, I don't criticize like Abraham Lincoln or George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. Good. They were men of their day, and they did what they did, and we're doing what we're doing today, maybe a hundred right. or sure. so years. You're absolutely we'll be, right. You and know, we'll be under the same scrutiny, so I, I don't, I'm not criticizing it, I'm just bringing it up right. as if, well, that's, you know, that's you fair. To, no, I mean, that, that's it fair. might expand your uh, view on the, the history of slavery. That's fair. Uh, there, there is a there is a great book that uh, was written a few years ago, and I'm trying to think of the title of it. Um, it's about uh, it's about popes in the Catholic Church and their their failures, the ones who were good and the ones who were bad, you know. And there were bad ones there. I forget the name of the it's book. It's called His Eminence. No, it's not. I I forget the name of it. it was a, it's a very very good book, very well written, very well researched. You know, there, certainly. But I mean, I think that what we need to do to teach history is we need to not look at these people through our lens today, but go to their right. time mentally and look about how they acted in their time. Were they somebody who was on the forefront of trying to be a decent person and end things like slavery, or were they part of the problem? You know, good right. pope, and, and bad what did pope. they understand about no. slavery at the time? Because oh, it's it, called, it was surely called, isn't looked upon as it is today. That, the book, I mean, uh, the book was it, called. Uh, oh, the book. Know, he's supposed to be. <laughs> Hold well, on. I'm not. I, I'm not real familiar with the Catholic uh, religion, but uh, I, I see, you know, them as, um, you know, 
men, you know, with their, their flaws the same as other men. You know, I don't appreciate some of the things that this pope is doing. I think there's been some good and some bad, as you said. And the book sounds interesting. It's called Vicars of Christ. There you go. Right. Yeah. That's the title of it. I'm trying to see who wrote it. I'm trying to remember who wrote it, but it's a very good book. Okay. All right. Thank you so much, Joe. All right. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. We'll take Peter a- DeRosa was called the dark side of the papers. Right. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC Way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC Way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at SubwayMotors.com, selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. We invite you to do what I have done on more than one occasion. Go to SunburyMotors.com. Look at all the Kias over on Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. All the Hyundais in Sunbury. All the Fords or all the pre-owned vehicles that are in perfect condition. Boy, they're moving the pre-owned vehicles fast. There's even some empty spots on that lot. We know because of the superconductor shortage, it takes them about four months to get a new Ford truck in. But they are doing that. They still have maybe a, maybe fewer than a dozen uh, new trucks to choose from there. So they would very much love to see you over there looking over the vehicles that they got in stock or do as I've done. Order some up. I ordered a Kia Telluride for my lovely bride to drive around in. We ordered a Ford F-150 with a double row of seats and a sunroof and a moonroof and an eight-foot bed and a trailer towing backwards, backing up a drone above us and safety package and a big generator in the back. It's just the perfect vehicle. But you can do what I've done. That's check out the Sunbury Motor Company. They would just very much love to talk to you about all of the opportunities to save money Get the vehicle you want. Do like I've done. That's drive the 2021 Mustang Mach-E Premium, 110% electric, 266 horsepower, a 0 to 60 in 4.8 seconds. It's just ridiculous acceleration, all four tires pulling like that. And as quiet as a mouse, you can sneak out in the morning and nobody will even hear you going to work. It's just the perfect vehicle. So do as I've done. Check out these wonderful vehicles at the Sunbury Motor Company. And, of course, all of these important visits start out at sunburymotors.com. Shortly, we will be talking to Leonard Steinhorn from CBS, American University professor, a history buff, uh, expert on race. We're going to talk to him about Vladimir Putin. And uh, we'll also talk about, of course, uh, we're going to have to stick in a race question there while he's on the line. That'll be coming up shortly on WKOK. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to Leonard Steinhardt, CBS News correspondent, a professor of, of history at American University. And, We've uh, had we, him on the show before, and he's always a very informed and excellent guest. And politics and the intersection of politics and what will be history tomorrow is uh, our, our usual topics. Good morning, sir. Thanks for calling in. 
Oh, happy to be here. And history is being made in Geneva right now, isn't it? Well, tell us about that. Is this uh, like 20 years? Or are we going to say, boy, I'll tell you what, it all started when Vladimir Putin <laughs> and, and Joe Biden met back in 2021. Is that possible that that could happen? Well, I don't think it'll be that grand. I think it'll be more sort of baby steps at this point. Look, there are no great expectations out of this summit. Um, uh, Vladimir Putin is an authoritarian. He doesn't share our values. There's going to be no kumbaya moment, no moment of when George W. Bush said, I've looked into his soul. Look, Joe Biden has looked into his soul and realized that, that Putin will kill anyone in his way, um, will impose his will on the world, will uh, allow his country to create mischief everywhere, whether it's in elections or in cybersecurity, and then try to deny it and say he doesn't have any control over it. So there are no illusions that the Americans are coming into this, but they do have a transactional approach here where there may be some common needs that they can begin to work on. So you've got to think, big thing, what used to dominate all of these summits was some sort of nuclear agreement. So hopefully they'll begin to sort of set aside task force and working groups to deal with these sort of long-range uh, uh, missiles that they have, the ability to deliver nuclear warheads. Uh, some agreements are, begin- are going to expire uh, this decade, so perhaps they work on that. Perhaps uh, Joe Biden can make some progress on cybersecurity. Perhaps sort of make some progress on climate change. Perhaps make some progress on the Arctic. Um, but I think at this point, this is more like a boxing match in the beginning of the boxing match where they're sizing each other uh, up and circling the ring and trying to figure each other out. I'll say one thing that's an interesting sign, whether it means anything or not. Uh, Putin has typically made uh, his uh, the people he's meeting with wait, uh, sometimes half an hour, sometimes up to three or four hours. Today, Putin was on time with Joe Biden. You have to imagine that Putin has done his research on Biden, knows that Biden has been around the block many times, and isn't going to be able to pull stuff on Joe Biden the way he has maybe with somebody less less experienced. So I think this will be transactional. It will be sort of figuring each other out. It will be trying to see if there are areas of common ground and common interest that they can begin to pursue. And Joe Biden will make it clear that if you continue to interfere in our elections and if you continue to sort of look the other way and allow these hacks and ransomware attacks on us, um, and if you continue uh, to be aggressive against Ukraine, uh, there could be problems in our relationship. Let me ask you this question. What's in it for the Russians? I mean, we've described him, Joe Biden's described him as a killer. Uh, He's come down now calling him a worthy adversary. Why would we want an agreement with people that dishonest and and a guy who might just kill you rather than look at you? What's in it for us? Well, because he has a lot of influence and power around the world. Plus, he can play his cards with China. And insofar as we're trying to sort of deal with China as the big potential adversary in the 21st century, Putin can create mischief in that regard. Um, So, yes, you have to imagine that Putin will say one thing and do another or just do what he wants. But he also has an economy that's not in great shape. Um, uh, So he really doesn't like these sanctions that we've imposed on him, that not only the Biden administration, but the Trump administration, the Obama administration, and so on, have imposed on him. He does not like that. 
Um, so he wants to shore up his economy. He's got a country in a bit of turmoil. Remember, he's now had to outlaw parties that Alexei Navalny, uh, who he's imprisoned, uh, he basically just outlawed uh, the party. The younger generation is beginning to wonder why they're accepting sort of the di- dictatorial rule of, of Vladimir Putin. Plus, Putin wants some sort of acknowledgement of his sphere of influence, whether it's in the former Soviet Union bloc, um, or the Middle East. Um, but you're right. Uh, you can't trust him. Uh, you have to imagine that whatever he says to you uh, will be something that he could completely go back on. But I do think that there may be issues like nuclear security and potentially the Arctic and potentially climate change, which would not only involve sort of a Putin versus Biden thing, but Putin integrating into the world economy a little bit better, which may help him economically at home. I think those are things that he can gain out of it. But you're right. The U.S., nobody can trust this guy. You have to deal with him with the most clinically transactional perspective. Well, if, if I am looking at the subtleties of this, how much should I look at the lack of a joint press conference as a subtle indication of something? Well, Joe Biden did not want the joint press conference. Remember what happened in 2018 in Helsinki when uh, uh, former President Trump stood side by side with uh, Putin and basically said that uh, he believes Putin over the U.S. intelligence community on election interference. So uh, they know that Putin's going to try and do anything he can to use joint press uh, conferences as an opportunity to tell his lies or give his spin and put the United States president on the defensive. Um, so what's going to happen is that after this summit, Putin is going to hold his own press conference, and then Biden's going to hold his. Um, so, yes, Putin will try and anchor in uh, some of the parts of his interpretation of what the discussion was all about. Uh, so Biden's going to have to be prepared to know that Putin's going to try and anchor and frame the discussion early on. Biden's going to have to figure out what he will say in his news conference afterwards to be able to sort of shift perceptions away from what Putin is trying to accomplish. Well, let's talk about Biden and his uh, press conferences, if you will. Uh, He has been notorious for dodging tough questions and dodging reporters who might ask them. You know, don't you think that that exudes weakness that, that we should not have our president doing? He should be able to stand up there like Jack Kennedy and take the toughest questions from anybody in the room? Well, I've seen some of uh, John Kennedy's news conferences, and he was very skilled at sort of maneuvering around questions that he didn't like, but doing it with a laugh and a smile. I mean, he was, you know, television ready. He got understood the media, and he understood the connection that he would create with the, uh, with the press. Um, so a good politician is going to answer the questions that they want. Uh, and, you know, talk around the questions that they don't want. Look, I've been on the side of political strategy, and this is what you advise people. You may advise uh, anybody that answer those questions you want, but if there's a question you really don't want to answer, make it appear that you have answered the question without actually answering the question. So, yeah, this is some of Joe Biden's training uh, from 50 years in politics, and you have to imagine that that comes out. Um, so, yeah, from my perspective in the press and academia, I would much prefer direct answers to all of these things. But some of these things you can't actually answer as directly as you'd like because some of the processes or negotiations or talks 
are still in process. And you can't sort of lay it all out there um, if you're trying to negotiate something uh, as the president, um, because if you do lay it all out there, the other side will sort of gain more information on you know what your end game is. Well, that's fair. So, that's fair yeah. enough. But but he he has a list of reporters he's supposed to call on, and they never include reporters who are going to ask him tough questions. Well, it's not unusual for uh, presidents to have lists of reporters that they'll call on. I mean, you've seen that over the years as well. Look, I'd like more transparency out of all of these administrations. I'd like more candor out of all of these presidents. I'd like. I would like the, all of our politicians to wrestle with things. But you go look at whether it's Mitch McConnell or Nancy Pelosi or the president. Um, they're very skilled at answering the questions that they want to an, uh, answer rather than answering the questions that the reporters have asked. So that's what you train people to do in politics. They're very good at that. And that's why they reach this very highest level on all of this stuff, because part of the currency of politics is information. And the more you can control information, information and be able to make it benefit your side, the better a politician you are. So from our perspective as, let's say, journalists, no, we'd like it the other way around. But from their perspective as politicians, that's how they function. When we have these summits, let's go back to our uh, international conversation. When we have these summits, who comes out a winner? Uh, if, if it's clear that we may not get you know, a, a huge agreement uh, on the table today, but we may inch towards other ones later, who ends up looking good? Is this, it's, does this sort of validate the kind of leader that Putin is? Well, I think what Joe Biden's goal and the reason he asked for this summit is he wants to lay out what his sort of red lines are uh, with Putin. And I think when he goes into uh, his news conference, he's going to basically say, this is what I laid out to him as things that are unacceptable. So if he comes out with a strong stand, let's say about ransomware and hacking, if he comes out with a strong stand on any interference, not only in American elections, but talking with allies, all the elections of democratic uh, 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 countries... Uh, if he talks about human rights and the importance of human rights, and if he talks about Ukraine, what he's going to sort of communicate on all of this is that he is not somebody who's going to cozy up to Vladimir Putin, uh, uh, and he's going to sort of implicitly contrast himself with the previous administration, saying, hey, I'm no big fan of authoritarians. I think democracies are the best way to go. Vladimir Putin wants to undermine democracies. I told him he has to stop. If he comes out with that sort of firm news conference, but also has that footnote saying, look, regardless of our absolute differences and the red lines that I've set down, these are the things we've agreed to work on to make this a safer world, regardless of whether you like this guy or not. I think that's the message that he wants to put forth after the summit, which is a sign of strength, but a sign that he's willing to even to work with Putin to address some of the world's problems like nuclear issues, like climate change, uh, like cybersecurity. We'll ask you one last question before and we thank you for your time this morning. But, you know, President Trump was accused of cozying up to dictators and, you know, being Putin's puppet, if you will. And so Joe Biden is maybe taking the other tack. He's called the guy a murderer. You know, if if <laughs> the, the compare and contrast these approaches and which one would you think would be most likely to work with a guy who you would say would kill anyone in his way? Well, I think what we've learned in basic human psychology, or just go to any schoolyard, is that if you have a bully, 
you've got to be able to stand up to that bully uh, and show that you're not afraid of the bully. And so, you know, look, Biden can take this approach and Putin could escalate it uh, and basically do more things and create more mischief. So the real question is, you know, what does Biden have in his back pocket to be able to show Putin that if he does more mischief, that we are going to respond? If he's just deliberately vague, Putin may suspect weakness that he, that Biden doesn't have any arrows in his quiver. But if he sort of indicates the types of things that he could do beyond sanctions, which we've already done and other administrations have done, but if he shows what we can do, let's say on cybersecurity or on ransomware or any of those issues, um, and puts Putin on notice that we do have arrows in our quiver and we're unafraid to use them, that's where you see him standing up to the bully. So it's not only just standing up to the bully, but what you show the bully that you're willing to do if the bully continues his behavior. And I think that's how Joe Biden has to approach this. Well, you need to flash the lights in the Kremlin a couple of times. Yeah, no kidding, no kidding. Or ask, the, or ask Putin to play a, pay a lot of rubles to be able to get onto his computer. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Absolutely. You Thank you so much, Thank uh, you, Professor uh, Steinhorn. Very much appreciated. Thanks for all your insights and for being on WKOK today. I always enjoy it. Thanks so much. Take care. This is uh, Professor Leonard Steinhorn from American University, CBS News political correspondent and analyst. And uh, what's your view on this? What's Vladimir Putin's end game? You know, suppose these talks are 100% successful for Russia. What's the outcome? What will they walk away with? Or for the U.S., better yet, if we get 100% of what we hope to, what is the uh, trickle-down positive impact for the U.S.? You tell us, 1-800-795. Nine five six five. Wish to weigh in and talk about the first thing we talked about today: a bill in Texas that would prohibit the teaching of race in any sort of appointed fashion. It's got to be objective, and a teacher can't be compelled to teach it that's at all. That's not the intent of the law. Well, it's that's not what specifically it's, to stop it says. Rape, it has to be taught race. objectively. Well, or okay. not at all. The anything, teacher's not, not even compelled race, to teach it all. Anything. Right. Anything controversial. All right. We talked about liberal colleges out there. We have three. How about abortion? How do they teach about that? We have three. Well, that's too controversial. Can't do that. 1-800-795-9565. Nearly open phones. We would love very much to hear from you. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. 
Well, Joe McGranahan and I have cured all known diseases, fed the poor. We have Russia and the U.S. now behaving as allies, believe it or don't, because of our conversation. Uh, but we're still confused. Maybe our audience knows this. Maybe we don't need Leonard Steinhorn. What is Russia's end goal? Do they still want to dominate the entire planet? Do they want to take over the U.S. and every other country? Uh, you know, let's, let's suppose they're 100% successful at all the nefarious things that they're doing, and they all come to a positive fruition at the, in their view, what have well, they look got? At, look at the difference in Russian leaders. Let's go back to what I consider to be the most progressive and best of the Russian leaders, and that would be Gorbachev. Okay. He um, he tore down the wall. He started Glasnost uh, with President Reagan. They tried to work together. Sit, you can sit when you're talking about him. It's just when other people mention him. I know. Well, it's it's hard to stay seated <laughs> to stay when seated. I mention okay. Ronald Reagan. But uh, seriously, I mean, the difference I think is is in the leaders. Putin comes out of the KGB. He's suspicious. He's a plotter. He's mm-hmm. somebody who's dealt with okay. the dark side of Russian politics. So let's suppose all this plotting and diabolicalness, is that a word? Uh, all this diabolic... Diabolicism. Di- right. <laughs> all this diabolicism works out. Then what? You know, we know China wants really to own the whole planet. Okay, so, you know, that's their mission. Is that Russia's mission also? I don't know how it could be at this point. I, I can't honestly say of what I think he would benefit from. I When I asked Leonard Steinhorn that question, or in a slightly different way, his his answer was that they want the sanctions off. Mm-hmm. Well, the sanctions were imposed in the first place because of their bad behavior. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. why would we think that taking the sanctions off would lead them to better behavior when they already exhibited bad behavior at the outset? Well, and what is... Uh, I'm going to say that the same way, but with a different twist here. What's the end game in terms of President uh, Biden? Let's suppose uh, Vladimir Putin puts Joe Biden in his place. You know, he's able to dominate the conversation and talk about his uh, priorities and only his priorities and all the sanctions get lifted and uh, the pipeline gets completed and all this stuff happens. Then what? That doesn't weaken the U.S. at all. So... Well, it depends on whether Biden's on his A game. If Biden's on his A game, then I would think that, you know, he would (laughs) I would think he would make it clear to to Putin that we're not going to tolerate it. But I think, you know, we keep talking about we keep talking about we need to show strength. And I think we need to show strength by what I said to Leonard at the end. We need to flash the lights in the Kremlin a couple of times to let them know. <laughs> and just to be clear, you mean remotely, electronically, right. because they're electronic. One of our good listeners. Our computers. Uh, um, I can't say the precise word. Uh, as soon as you said, um, if Joe Biden's on his A game, one of our listeners texted us and said, we're, um, well, I can't say it. It's a bad word. So. If, oh, if we okay. need Joe Biden to be on his A game, guess what? We're blanked. We're out okay. of luck. Right. Would that's that be it. the that's, polite way to say it? <laughs> that's a way to say it. All right. Well, we would love you could participate in this, folks. One eight hundred seven nine five nine five six five. We're really just, uh, you know, Joe and I aren't uh, deep scholars of Russian history, but uh, let's suppose this whole summit is completely and totally successful. What are the outcomes? We we know you know we're not hyper optimistic that it will end that way for either side, but you know what's the positive outcome. We're already pulling out of Afghanistan, so, you know, we have already seen the... the uh, well, uh, you know, we the, talk about, let's come up with the things that are in our anywhere. mutual interest. What is it in our mutual interest that we uh, we should work with them on? Well, what if we're allies on climate and, and industry and mining and, and uh, you know, dominating the South Pole and so the North Pole? how does that benefit Pole? us or them? 
In other words, let's say we all agree that climate change is bad. I don't think the Russians are going to agree to that, to be honest with you. They don't strike me as leading the charge. At least we have some agreement with China on that. Uh, Which China violates every single day. They're they're the world's largest Well, they're making progress. Unlike Russia, which has made no progress. So coming to some climate change agreement with Russia, to me, is superfluous. They aren't going to live up to it. If we come up with a nuclear arms limitation treaty, we already have those. You know, uh, would right, we count on them the, to exert their influence over North Korea? Oh, they don't have much. China the, has the this influence. This is the what-if conversation. All right, folks, participate in this conversation. What if? You know, you can insert whatever you want there. What if uh, China decides that uh, they do not wish to dominate the entire planet? They don't take over every uh, neighboring country. What, what if? China or Russia? Russia. Well, both. I mean, since we're mentioning them as number two on the globe these days. one 800 795 9565 is our telephone number. Call us immediately. We've got eight minutes left of open phones. 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com or text us at 70236. Okay. Well, there you've pounded that in sufficiently. Oh, and put the OTM. Well, <laughs> no, right. we, we don't have any callers. No, I know. So we'll have to continue on as All best right. we can to irritate Tom. Uh, upper right. <laughs> Read that so folks know what we're talking he about. He says, is this a call-in show or a Joe and Mark show? 18 minutes of you 2 and commercials yet again. With you two in the commercials and news, I wonder just how much time there is for callers. Maybe 45 minutes or less. Come on, fellas. You're not the stars or fountain of knowledge you think you are. Signed, Tom. Uh, we would love to shut up. You used to call Tom the man who hates everything. I think that... <laughs> it's him. <laughs> That's him. one 800 we do have this comment. Call us now. Uh, on this our w- earlier discussion. This relates to the Texas bill. Yeah. Under this Texas law, when teaching about or discussing slavery and racism, teachers there will be compelled to acknowledge the ugly history of the Democratic Party. Teachers who may be included to, inclined to can no longer avoid the facts or lie. In other words, whitewash history when teaching the true ugly history of the Democratic Party, the party of slavery. Woodrow Wilson, the most racist president ever, the KKK and lynchings, Jim Crow and segregation laws, Bull Connor and the jailing of Martin Luther King, opposition to the Civil Rights Act, all of which belong exclusively to the Democratic Party. This is the history being whitewashed washed in education today. Well, yeah, and things like the Tulsa massacre and uh, you know and the important critical favorable huge role that uh, black Americans played in building the country and you know economic the south success. was literally built on their on their work on their backs right, right. on their backs. So, yeah, great email. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. We we would love truth on this show. 1-800-795-9565 if you wish to weigh in on that topic. Uh, one of our listeners asked an interesting question. said, what would the race demographics of the U.S. be if there were no slaves brought here? It would be pretty darn white, I would think. Until now, the whole globe is becoming more homogeneous, and we're becoming more reflective of what is the races of the world. Okay. Getting back to Russia, which I suppose only a few more minutes left in the program. I would hope that Joe Biden can find some way, and I don't know how you can do this without giving away what we know and how, what our abilities are, to show him unequivocally that he is lying when he says Russian's government has nothing in these cyber attacks on the United States. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe nothing happens in Russia that Putin doesn't mm-hmm. have approval of or final say. I don't think they would be tolerating a group of people trying to stir up international trouble in their country unless they want 
stirred up unless he was satisfied that stirring it would achieve some goal of his, whether it's right, to it stabilize stronger us. and us weaker would be the simplest way to put it in one sentence. And, you know, we don't... What are our capabilities in that regard? How do we respond? Can we respond? Can we can we hack into their meat production plants? Can we shut down their refineries? Do we want to? Well, I think at can some we point, blink the lights at the ground? <laughs> I think there's got to be a quid pro quo here. You know, we heard a lot about that during uh, the uh, the Russia investigation. Is there a way for the United States to respond in kind to what the Russians are doing? If there is, I think that would be. A, I would have done that before I went to the summit. I would have flashed the lights in the Kremlin, and I would have maybe interrupted their meat supply for a day and then say to Vladimir, okay, Vlad, uh, I'm not worried about the next election and having more flexibility like Barack was. I'm here to tell you, you mess with us again, and you're going to be sorry. One of our listeners sends us a text says, I'm trying to dial in, but I get a busy signal. Well, that's unusual. The lines are open. Right, and Rob's there ready to go, so we must have a little pickle. Well, we use the voice over internet telephone system. Maybe they're one 800 Trying that number <laughs> all right but so seriously don't you think it would be all right we do have a show of strength if we have a show of strength wouldn't that be the way to go in maybe not like donald trump did by calling him nice things and saying he believed him rather than our intelligence experts but just send them a demonstration of our capabilities prior to going there we should trust but verify how are we going to that? I have to stand up when you yeah, say I know. that. <laughs> <laughs> Only if we say the words. Let's not say who said it. But I don't think in this case, if Ronald Reagan were alive today, I don't think he'd be saying that. I would think he'd be saying, don't trust and be sure to verify. <laughs> well, and he may say it's hopeless. You know, it just seems like Russia's in so many things in so many ways. Doing I don't blame so the Russian people. I just think that, that Putin and his ilk, the people he has running that country over there, uh, it's, you know, you call Trump a personality cult. That's a personality cult. Mm-hmm. I mean, Vladimir Putin, they, they oh, have songs about him. There's a caller coming okay. through, so it's working now. Good. They have songs about him. Uh, he has his picture taken with his shirt off, looking very muscular right. and Horse very athletic. Riding. Horseback yeah. riding. What famous president loves to do horseback riding photos back Ronald in the day? Reagan, right, but right. he had his shirt on. Well, that's true. Yeah, we <laughs> never saw him without his shirt on. All right. Uh, we appreciate everybody who participated and or send notes and or text uh, today. Dennis will probably be the last caller. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Oops, see, we've got a little dilemma here. Dennis Hunt called and hung All up. All right. <laughs> well, maybe he heard you say the last caller and thought he wasn't going to get any time. But he would have. Right. Hit redial right away, Dennis. 1-800-795-9565. we still got time to get you on the air here. 1-800-795-9565. Wouldn't you agree, though, that that would have been the thing to do? If we had that capability, well, I'm sorry. and if we don't Which? have it, the capability to literally flash the lights oh. and then, uh, over there to, to send some sort of a, a warning that well, it, maybe we, we can are. play this game too. Hey, maybe we are. We don't know what they're doing in the inner sanctum of the White House or what President Biden is doing or what President Trump did to try to you know make it look no, like we had a good ally it, if, there. No, but let's face it: if we created some upheaval in Russia, it would be news. It would leak out one way or another. Eventually. Right. right. Well, if we made it strong enough, they would not be able to ignore it. Right. You well, know. the international community would talk about it before maybe we found out. Right. So, in other words, if the lights went off in Moscow, 
I think the foreign because embassies of other countries would be well aware of it. Tapped into their systems. Sure. And I think that's what we've got to do. We've got to show them that there is a price to be paid. Not just talk about the price to be paid, but demonstrate the price to be paid if they continue. So, gr- Of course, uh, hacking into their elections wouldn't do us any good because they're all rigged over there and there's only one party <laughs> right now. Well, yeah, maybe he just wants to make sure that we never have a democracy, you know, a republic established in Russia where people are free to vote and economies are free to grow and uh, where people are uh, free to speak and say whatever they wish. Well, that isn't going to happen there. You know, as I agree with Leonard, he'll kill anyone who gets in his way. I was surprised Leonard said that, but I can't disagree with him. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody, who tried to get through. We have two people that said, uh, you know, technical glitch stood in the way. So we'll reboot every computer we got and we'll be ready for tomorrow. And we have nearly open phones uh, tomorrow on Thursday, the last day of Joe McGranahan's retirement shortened week. And uh, I don't think we have a guest schedule, so we'll enjoy open phones. And hopefully we'll hear from you tomorrow. This is News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury.